All right, here we are in the Gospel of, of Luke, chapter number two. We've got our, our Bibles open, and let's go ahead and stand out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. And as it is our custom on that Sunday which precedes or is on Christmas, we love to read this story. But I remind you that this is not just a story put together by man, but this is breathed by the Holy Ghost. This is a narrative account of Christ's birth. And we read in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was, that while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying And praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Father, we thank you that we are able to stand here in your presence on a day set aside both to remember your coming and your sacrifice. And Father, I pray that you would draw us near and speak to our hearts. Lord, by your invitation, may we step into this story. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today is a significant day. Not because this is the precise annual anniversary of the Lord's birth, 
but because Christ has come. And as a result of this reality that Christ was born and is alive, this is the day that we have chosen to remember and to celebrate this reality. This is Christmas Day. Today is significant, as I've already said, not just because it's the day that we have set aside annually to celebrate is coming, but also because this is the day of the week, the precise day that we celebrate his resurrection. And we come after a long tradition of believers in Christ as we gather today. As we gather today, we gather around an empty tomb and just like Peter gazing in, observed that he is not here because he is risen. And we gather this day after a long tradition of believers and we don't just gather around an empty tomb, but we gather on a hill called Mount Calvary. And we see the reality of a Savior who was crucified for our sins. And by His stripes, we are healed. How appropriate it is that the most overwhelming color of Christmas as I look across this full house this morning is red. And as His blood flowed from those righteous veins, it flowed that there might be a fountain filled with blood by which we can be cleansed from all of our guilty stains. We gather at an empty tomb. We gather at a rugged cross. And we gather in a humble manger and observe this Christmas story the past several weeks, I have been focusing on the, the, the place where God left off. We won't be returning to Malachi this morning, but how appropriate as we come to the place this morning, we remember those things. How God left off and for 400 years from Malachi to the arrival of Christ in Matthew, uh, that there was silence, no prophet, no new message to God's people. But God went from silence to speech as the Lord arrived, described in John chapter 1 as the Word. Oh, we went from curse, which is the very last word in the Old Testament, from curse to the cure of Jesus Christ. For when Jesus came, he brought the cure of our disease of sin. We left off from the Old Testament, a place of, of signs of his coming, the sign of the tabernacle, the sign of those Old Testament sacrifices, and we went from signs to his very substance in his body. But this morning, I would like to focus on the message of it all. The message of all of these things is brought to the shepherds and concisely given by the angels there in those fields. And I would like to make a few observations about the message that the angels brought. The first observation is this, is that the message that the angels brought to those shepherds was a personal message. If you would look with me in this incredible story in verse number nine, when those angels appear, the Bible says this, it says, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon, everyone say this next verse together, them. You see, the message was to someone. 
It came to them, speaking specifically of those shepherds. Interestingly enough, if we were to compare this to the Old Testament, especially there in that last book, the book of Malachi, that book of Malachi was written to a specific people. It was written first off to a nation. An entire nation were the recipients of of the prophet of Malachi. That nation was Israel, by the way. I, I don't know if we have any guests visiting with us here today that are of Hebrew descent, but aside from those who may be among us, we are not part of that nation. Nor are we children that descended from Abraham. We are what the Old Testament would refer to as Gentiles. We are outside the household of Israel. So that message to Malachi, although it is profitable for us, for doctrine, for approval, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, if we were to look at the specific audience of it, it is not us. It was someone else. But when the angels came to those shepherds, it moved beyond the them of verse number 9 speaking of those shepherds for in verse number 10 we read that the angel said unto them fear not for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy notice this which shall be to all people to everyone Oh, how beautiful this is because here at the very beginning of these gospel message, we read that the message is to all people. And what does Jesus say at the very end of each of these gospels? He says to go unto all nations, to take the message unto every creature, unto all of the world. You see, the message is not limited to Israel anymore, but instead it is for everyone. Oh, I love this truth. As the angels come, that word in the Greek, angelos, literally means messengers. Church, I have a message for you this morning from God. Not by special revelation to me, but from his word. That the truth of Christmas is for you as well. The realities of Christ's death and burial and resurrection can be received by us for the benefits are given to us. And this is a personal message. I love that Christ sent angels to these meager and humble shepherds out in a field. As if to say, every one, whether they be a magi from the east whether they be a humble shepherd, whether they be residing in any nation on earth, Christ came for you. When I read farther, I'm captivated by the personal pronouns of verse number 12 and the following verses, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I love the fact that this message is for us, and this is a personal invitation Uh, The shepherds were invited not just to know about Jesus, but to come unto Jesus. Verse number 12 says, ye shall find the babe. And 2,000 years later, I rejoice in the ability to proclaim this, that you can still find that babe. 
But he will no longer be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, but instead he will be robed in glory and sitting upon the throne. But he still invites all men to come. Jesus himself said, come, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And just as that humble manger gave rest to that newborn king, so can his hands give you rest, regardless of whatever race or nationality or walk of life you may be. You see, this message is for you. Jesus did not just come for a nation. He came for people, all of mankind. You see, this was a personal message not, was it, not only was it a personal message, however, it was also a present message. Look with me in verse number 11. As the angels come to the shepherds, they burst onto the night sky, unmistakable. And they have this message in verse number 11. For unto you is born this day. Could you wrap your minds around the significance of this? Ever since the fall in the garden, Adam and Eve and everyone who came after them were looking forward to a future day. When the promise was given to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations and that his nation would be a peculiar people as numerous as the sands of the sea and, and stars of the sky, he looked down at his little boy Isaac and knew that there would be something to come in the future. As Abraham gave way to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob and Jacob to Joseph and, and all of the sons that would come after, there was a promise given to a king, a man by the name of David, that, his, that from his family would come forth the everlasting king in this one that would be the Messiah. But yet the promise was future. All the prophets came to Israel and said, the king will come, the king will come, the king will come. But now, for the first time in all of history, the angels are proclaiming something very different in its timeline. They're not saying that the king will come. They're saying, this day is born unto you in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And that same message is proclaimed for us, is that we might be waiting for his second coming, but he's already come once to die for our sins. This message is not just a personal message, but it is a present message. And the invitation is open for us to come unto him this day. You see... Now is the acceptable time. It is this day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it and be glad in it. And yes, there are future promises that are to come. Yes, there is the rapture. Yes, there is his second coming. Yes, there are mansions in glory. Yes, there is a great reunion. But in this day, there is something special and unique about the message that we have is that you don't have to wait till tomorrow to meet with Jesus. 
You don't have to wait until next week or next month. You don't even have to wait until you go out there and clean up your life and fix it all up. No, the shepherds busy in the fields looked down at dirty and scarred hands. They looked at feet that were unwashed and yet they came to the Savior in that day. See, that's the message of Christmas. Is that God's not waiting for you to clean up to in the future come to him, but he has come unto you this day on the Lord's day. You see, that's the message of Christmas. It's a personal message. It's a present message. It is for now. So many people have left church because they felt that the message was irrelevant. There's nothing more relevant. There's nothing more relevant that we are still dead in our trespasses and sins if we've not received him. There's nothing more relevant than the message that he will never leave us nor forsake us. There's nothing more relevant that, that his word is still a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. There is nothing more relevant that if we were to acknowledge him in all of our ways that he will direct our paths. There's nothing more relevant that we are to occupy until he come. There is nothing more relevant than what we have in this scripture. It is more current than tomorrow's newspaper. It is given to us to live today. It is a personal message, but it's a present message. And lastly, I'll remind us all of this. When we left off in the Old Testament, it would be a bit concerning that we left off with the word curse, wouldn't it? You know, I believe that Peter and the other apostles had a bit of a fear of the coming of the Lord as well. If you remember, once they crucified Jesus... The disciples, with the exception of Judas, who had hung himself from a tree, were gathered and locked themselves away, hidden, for fear that those who crucified Jesus would come after him. And Jesus stepped into their presence and... With shock and amazement, they look, hardly able to, to behold what's standing there in front of them. And there was great fear in their hearts. Fear in their hearts, I imagine, for many reasons. That as Jesus was being scourged, it seems that none of the disciples were present. While Jesus was being crucified, only one is listed, John. And he is at a distance with the Lord's mother. And none of the disciples seem to be present otherwise. Peter is mentioned that he was following afar off, as if to say that he wanted to put some distance as not to be identified with Jesus. And we know this to be true, for when he was asked about his speech, for he sounded like a Galilean, you're from the same place Jesus was from, he cursed and denied it three times before the rooster crowed. And now, having been on purpose a distance from Jesus, Jesus steps into their presence what message would he bring? Would he bring the message of Malachi that a curse is upon you? Would he bring judgment? Would he ridicule and criticize them because they had abandoned him? But instead, he says these words, peace, peace be unto you. 
It's the same message that the angels brought to the shepherds. Fear not. They, say, they bring a message of peace. And that's why I say that this message, it's not just a, a personal message and a, and a present message, but this is a peaceful message. For we read in verse number 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Even though mankind had sinned against God, the message is peace. Even though we have turned our backs from him, the message was peace. Even though you may have failed him, the message this morning is still peace. Even though you may have gone astray and find yourself far away, the message that the angels bring, the message that the Bible brings, the message that Jesus brings, and the message that this scrawny preacher brings is one of peace. Peace. Peace unto men, peace and goodwill toward men. For he is described in verse number 11, not as the judge in this context, but as the Savior. And church, he's still the Savior. He was the Savior when he was put together by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. He was the Savior as she gave birth and laid him in a manger. He was a savior as he gathered the disciples together and cried to follow me. He was the savior while his feet tread upon the raging sea. And he was the savior when he stood on the boat and declared, peace, be still. He was the savior when he turned the fishes at those few fish and loaves into a feast that would feed the multitudes. He was a savior when he stepped up to Lazarus's tomb and brought him back to life and cried, Lazarus, come forth. He was the savior as he agonized in the garden of Gethsemane. And when the soldiers came to capture him, he was still the savior. He was the savior in Pilate's hall and he was the savior in Herod's court. He was the savior when he was being scourged and he was the savior on the cross. He was the savior as his body laid lifeless in the tomb and he was the savior when the stone was rolled away and walked out of that tomb. He was the savior when he gathered his disciples together once again to a reunion on that shore and he was the savior when he said, go, go, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He was the Savior when he ascended on high. And when he comes back again, he will still be the Savior. And we are gathered this morning not just to celebrate a baby in a manger, but to remember the message that Christ is our Savior. And that Savior has come. But have you, as that gift that was offered, received Him as your own?